reviews have been returned for my recent theoretical paper. As one might expect, the comments are mixed, and I have a substantial amount of revision to do in order to get the manuscript into press. One surprise for me was that the editor and the reviewers never mentioned the term electromagnetic field in their comments. So that assuages one of my major concerns, namely that I did not focus my paper on the topic of electromagnetic field theories in particular. You might recall that the journal invited me to provide a submission for a special issue on electromagnetic field theories. I address them for sure, but they are hardly my focus. And my framework, the TICL, is not an EM theory. One area of contention for reviewer one concerns my treatment of the subjective self. I've said much more about the concept of self on this podcast than I attempted to say in the paper. The reviewer wants me to elaborate and bring in more background. So I was provided with several references to take a look at, and I'm working on that now. One person I was referred to by the reviewer is the German philosopher Thomas Metzinger. He has a concept of minimal phenomenal selfhood. And I found a paper of his published in 2009 with co-author Olaf Blank that brought up some interesting things I've never really explored before. These are full-body illusions that mainly occur in cases of neurological insult. In the previous episode, I talked about the self-construct in opposition to the undeniable self as point of view. You can have subjective experiences which lack self-referential character, certainly if you take a sufficient dose of psilocybin or LSD. This suggests to me, in accordance with my discussion in the previous episode, that there is a distinction between concepts of the self, like identifying with your body and your autobiography and so on, from the phenomenal fact of subjective experience. I believe this is further backed up by this work by Metzinger on full-body illusions. I'll start by defining minimal phenomenal selfhood, or MPS. Blank and Metzinger define it as, quote, MPS is a phenomenal property, namely the conscious experience of being a self. It is the experience of being a distinct, holistic entity capable of global self-control and attention, possessing a body and a location in space and time, unquote. The MPS is thus related to agency and embodiment. The authors also say that the MPS has a first-person perspective. I've told you before about the rubber hand illusion. This is an experimental demonstration in which the subject places his or her arm under the table, and a rubber hand is placed in view on top of the table. Thus, the rubber hand is seen, while the subject's actual hand is hidden. The experimenter strokes both the real and the false hand in the same way and in synchrony, and the subject has the acute illusion that the rubber hand is their own. Their sense of the placement of their own hand comes to occupy the place of the rubber hand. This indicates that visual cues can override sensory ones in terms of body part identification. In light of work by other theorists, it may be that Metzinger's minimal phenomenal self, or MPS, conflates a number of distinguishable features. I could be guilty of the same crime, but I'm trying to make the broadest, most defensible distinction when I divide the self into two different phenomena, self as construct and self as point of view. Another set of terms introduced by Blank and Metzinger are the weak first-person perspective and the strong first-person perspective. They define the weak first-person perspective as a purely geometrical feature of an egocentric model of reality. This is a visuospatial model. What they mean by purely geometrical is just that the sensory stimuli like visual and auditory stimuli converge upon the eyes and ears. So the data forming the internal model of reality are understood from this head-centered perspective. 
The strong first-person perspective includes a sense of agency, including control of attentional focus. This implies that the weak first-person perspective is more fundamental to the MPS. With these concepts in mind, let's take a closer look at the paper. Blank and Metzinger write, quote, MPS breaks down in neurological patients with illusory global own body perceptions called autoscopic phenomena that are characterized by seeing a second own body in extracorporeal space, autoscopic hallucination, hutoscopy, and out-of-body experience. Autoscopic phenomena are associated with multisensory disintegration and can be caused by focal brain damage. Recent neuroanatomical analysis analysis indicated that autoscopic hallucinations are preferentially caused by damage to right parietooccipital or right temporooccipital cortex, whereas hotoscopy and out-of-body experience are caused by damage to temporoparietal cortex of the left and the right hemisphere, respectively. Autoscopic phenomena show that not only identification with and localization of body parts, but also the conscious representation of the entire body and MPS can be disturbed. Patients with autoscopic hallucinations experience themselves to be localized at and to see from the physical body's position as represented. Self-identification is referred to the global representation of the physical body. All three MPS dimensions, self-identification, self-location, weak first-person perspective, are normal. Hutoscopy is characterized by abnormality in all three MPS dimensions. Self-location and weak first-person perspective are either at the position of the physical body as represented or at the position of the illusory body as represented or at both. Moreover, self-location and weak first-person perspective might change their experience position between the position of the illusory and the physical body as represented, and this can occur in rapid alternation. Self-identification either refers to the illusory body as represented, the physical body as represented, or to both in alternation. In out-of-body experiences, the weak first-person perspective, self-location and self-identification with an illusory body as represented at an extracorporeal position are complete. Self-location and weak first-person perspective are localized outside one's bodily borders and people have the experience of seeing their body from this disembodied location. Out-of-body experiences are associated with a sense of disembodiment and people always self-identify with the illusory body as represented. These neurological autoscopic phenomena demonstrate how globally how global bodily experience varies along MPS dimensions. In particular, there seems to be a continuum between transparency and opacity, which determines how realistically the content of a body representation is experienced and how strongly the dimension of self-identification is expressed." Unquote. These autoscopic phenomena are bizarre, aren't they? Imagine seeing your own self across the room. I've heard about out-of-body experiences, and I'm well aware of the strange kinds of phenomena that can occur in states adjacent to sleep. This is when most ghost sightings, out-of-body experiences, and alien abductions occur. I have personally experienced sleep paralysis. I was a teenager at my friend's house. I awoke in the basement, and I knew where I was, but I could not move. I was lying on my belly, and I had the sense of someone sitting on my back. After a few moments, I began to panic, and before long, I gained control of my body and opened my eyes. There was no one else in the room with me. I don't remember what I made of the experience at the time. Perhaps I imagine it was some kind of paranormal event. But I've since learned about the existence of sleep paralysis and its accompanying hallucinations. 
Moreover, it would seem that autoscopic phenomena can persist in waking individuals given neurological injury. This is a further indication that the contents of consciousness are the products of neural function, not incoming data streams. There is no incoming optical data from the world from which to construct an image of your own self across the room where you are not situated. But brain networks have evolved to construct a model of the environment using incoming data. If the incoming data are abnormally processed in the construction model, either because of brain trauma, mental illness, or drug effects, then we should not be surprised that we could end up with a fucked up model. I don't think I would be surprised to hear an account of a vivid dream in which the dreamer saw himself carrying out some action. Dreams are often strange in all kinds of ways. My point is that the brain is responsible for our subjective experiences in dreams, just as it is in waking conditions. In the paper, the authors distinguish three different classifications of illusory perceptions of the whole body. The first type is the out-of-body experience. In an out-of-body experience, the perspective, what they would call the weak first-person perspective, is totally displaced with respect to the perceived body. One might see oneself lying in bed four feet away from where one feels himself to be floating. His perspective is that of the floating illusory self, not the body lying in bed. According to the authors, these experiences are totally realistic and come with no insight on the part of the individual into the illusory nature of the experience. This would explain why people who claim to astral project or otherwise come upon these experiences fully believe during and after the experience that they really have left their body and perceived it, as well as the rest of the environment, from another location. The second type is called an autoscopic hallucination. In this case, the subject of the illusion is not disembodied. Their weak first-person perspective is normal, but they see an illusory copy of themselves in front of them. The authors say that during these experiences, they have the insight that this is some kind of hallucination. The third type of illusion is called hotoscopy. In this case, the weak first-person perspective is sometimes located as normal, within their normal body representation, and it is sometimes localized to the illusory self. It can alternate, or it can even occur in both places at the same time. The person can have the sensation of being split into two selves. Thus, the authors say that all three dimensions of the MPS, the minimal phenomenal self, are pathological in hotoscopy. Blank and Metzinger write, quote, In the majority of such autoscopic phenomena, MPS is characterized by a single, visual, weak first-person perspective, spatially overlapping self-location and non-ambiguous self-identification. Although under normal conditions, humans experience a single, visual, weak first-person perspective, autoscopic phenomena indicate that conscious experience can also be characterized by the absence of a unitary, visual, weak first-person perspective, or by two simultaneous or rapidly alternating visual, weak first-person perspectives. This is the case in patients with hotoscopy, who claim to jump back and forth between two spatially distinct points of view. Other patients can describe an auditory weak first-person perspective that is spatially distinct from their simultaneously present visual weak first-person perspective. Moreover, the weak first-person perspective, auditory or visual or both, does not always overlap with the location of the bodily self. The origin of the weak first-person perspective can be spatially dissociated from self-location as indicated by a recent study using electrical brain stimulation, especially during hautoscopy, patients can report to be split in two parts or selves, feeling as if I were two persons or a split personality. 
This indicates that a breakdown of a single weak first-person perspective or the loss of spatial congruency between the weak first-person perspective and self-location has important consequences for MPS and the strong first-person perspective. With respect to self-identification, these observations indicate that there seems to be a transient but nevertheless complete hodoscopic dissociation into two objects of identification, leading to a brief double instantiation of MPS, two selves, and the strong first-person perspective, a reduplication of the experience of being directed, that does not occur in any other form of autoscopic phenomenon." Unquote. This idea of alternating between visual perspectives, or having two perspectives at the same time, is fascinating. It reminds me of glitches that sometimes occur in modern video games. The three-dimensional rendering of graphics on the screen keeps changing perspective, for example. This phenomenon, in the case of neurological defects, suggests once again that the model of reality is like a compelling map, but it is most certainly not the territory. Notice that the authors mention the idea of two selves. There might be two weak first-person perspectives either alternating or co-occurring, but there is only one point of view, one unified conscious being which is experiencing their alternation or co-occurrence. Suppose you had your left eye knocked out of your head suddenly and cleanly, such that the eyeball is dangling freely and pointing straight downwards toward your feet. Obviously, you immediately experience, your immediate experience is going to be one of shock and terror, but consider what you might see. Assume that the unhoused eye is functioning normally. Its field of view does not overlap with that of your right eye. You might see an alternation of visual experiences between that of the left eye and that of the right. Or you might see a strange co-occurrence of two visual fields which are not fused together. You might thus have two visual perspectives, but there are not two of you having those perspectives. Blank and Metzinger go on to talk about experiments in the laboratory that can produce full-body illusions. They write, quote, By exposing participants to conflicting multisensory bodily cues by means of mirrors, video technology, or simple virtual reality devices, these authors experimentally manipulated MPS. In particular, the presentation of stimuli in virtual reality setups has enabled systematic manipulations of different sensory dimensions, including somatosensory, visual, and perspectival cues. In a study by Langenhager and colleagues, an experimental protocol similar to that of the rubber hand illusion was developed for the full body, a full body illusion. A video camera with a 3D encoder was placed behind the subject and relayed to a head-mounted display. Tactile stimulation, stroking, was applied on the back and the visual information related to this stimulation was systematically manipulated by displaying it as either synchronously or asynchronously with the tactile sensation. Questionnaire scores were used to quantify self-identification and perceived body position, or drift, to quantify self-location. When the participants saw their body in front of themselves being stroked synchronously with their own back, they felt as if the virtual body was their own, illusory self-identification, and showed drift toward it, illusory self-location. Both full-body illusion measures were also observed for a fake body, but not, or less so, for a rectangular object. The full-body illusion was abolished during asynchronous stroking. Erson used a similar setup, but stroked subjects on their chests, hidden from the view of the camera. In this full-body illusion version, subjects saw the synchronous stroking in front of the camera, inducing the experience of being at the position of the camera that was behind the subject's body, illusory self-identification. This shows that with slightly different manipulations of how visual and tactile stroking is applied and projected, MPS can be manipulated in a predictable fashion. 
Both studies revealed visual capture by showing that the location of the visual stroking dominates over the location of tactile stroking, leading in both cases to abnormal self-identification, and in the study of Lingenhager et al., also to abnormal self-location. Accordingly, abnormal self-identification coincided with the location of the visual information of the stroking and corresponds either to the visual body representation, virtual body, or to the origin of the visual weak first-person perspective, the camera. Although more experimental work is needed, these data indicate that the experience of self-location in terms of MPS can be separated experimentally from the experience of the spatial origin of the visual weak first-person perspective and from the location of the visual body. This is compatible with clinical data in which both types of dissociations have been observed in patients with hotoscopy or out-of-body experiences, i.e. a patient experienced the visual weak first-person perspective at the position of his body, but self-location two meters behind his body as represented. From the definition of out-of-body experiences, it also follows that both study protocols did neither induce an out-of-body experience nor an otoscopic hallucination, but rather a state that is comparable to hotoscopy. Both study protocols enabled the manipulation of the key MPS dimensions, self-identification, self-location, or weak first-person perspective, yet neither of them managed to manipulate what we have called the strong first-person perspective that is disturbed in hotoscopy and out-of-body experiences. We predict that methodological approaches using multiple audio-visual spatial perspectives multiple and spatially incongruent body positions might lead to experimental effects beyond those described earlier and also involve the strong first-person perspective, maybe even aspects of the cognitive first-person perspective." Unquote. Recall from the previous episode that Millier et al. described the self as a multi-dimensional construct. These dimensions are, one, narrative or autobiographical aspects of the self, including self-related thoughts and mental time travel, and two, embodied aspects of self coming from sensory perception. We see from the above neurological cases and the subsequent examples of experimental illusions that the second dimension of the self-construct, the embodied aspect, can be disrupted without eliminating consciousness of contents from a unified point of view. I am one thing. I am a unified mind. If my brain were to be split functionally or anatomically, I would continue to be but one thing. There may be another thing in this head with me. There may be a whole crowd, but I am one thing. Even in the case of hotoscopy, which is difficult but not impossible to try to imagine, I recognize that I would continue to be one thing. I might feel like I am one unified consciousness which contains two self-constructs, two bodies, or two visual scenes, but I am undeniably one thing. The same is true as we have seen in the case of high-dose psychedelic experiences in which there is a sense of ego loss or selflessness. I may not, under such conditions, identify with the body, with the past and future story of this person, or with any other normal aspect of being human. It might be that, having undone the networks that produce the self-construct, or having temporarily overcome them, I am participating in an understanding of conscious being that is otherwise walled off from me. Such experiences could be closer to reality than the ones we are having right now. Perhaps in such a state I am not a human at all. Hell, I'm not so sure I am human, but I'm damn sure that I am.